would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. And we are recording another episode of Zoomcron Week in Review. I am happy to report your host, Travis William Skink Matier, has the use of two eyes. Um, it was a little hit and miss there for a second. I was trying to eat a pretzel and almost put a, a incense stick in my eyeball. But y you started laughing. Allie, say hello. Hi. Um, it's good that we start on a on a lighter note of how I almost injured myself because um, we have had an interesting week. Yes, it has been. And the week started really kind of, I mean, it, let's just say that the weekend kickstarted the week in a way in which um, we were recording on Saturday of last week, right? So we are now here on Friday, March 24th, but yes. last Saturday we recorded the last episode and that's when Mineral County started having some shit going down. That's right. And that is part of what we're going to be discussing this week in the review of local headlines. Yeah. And it's not just Missoula, Montana that we are tracking, but clearly west of Missoula on Interstate 90, the land of Mineral County, the land where the hammer of Mandamus has been brought down by Lance Jasper of Jasper, Reap, and Bell. Or, or, or which one of those guys likes their name first? Is it Bell, Reap, Jasper, Jasper, Reap? I don't know. Um, I took a picture of their law firm in Missoula recently, and mm. we're going to be getting into Lance Jasper's, um, both his sort of uh, county experience and what he's bringing to the war that's broken out between different factions of the local government in Mineral County, and then um, his, his unfortunate experience in the shootout that happened at the St. Regis Travel Center. All right. Man, are we just going to get into it then? I, I think so. A lot has happened. A lot has happened, and if you want to, to track the week's events, zoomcron.com is the blog where the articles are posted. We begin with criminal justice turnover at the top. Yes. What's going on? Well, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what's going on. One source is just not enough. So it's good when you're um, putting out the possibility that something might be happening to double check things. So the way that I framed the possibility was that it was a possibility. Turned out Kirsten Pabst is not retiring. What, what She's was not the name of the headline? Criminal justice turnover at the top. What's going on? Okay. Luckily, there's been enough turnover at the top, not just with the, the rumor right. that Pabst was potentially resigning, which she is not. That was just a rumor. Let's be very clear. Kirsten Pabst will continue to be accountable for the county attorney prosecution of criminals here in our, our expanding Zoom town, where, where so many people have recently relocated in the last couple of years to experience the beauty of our fair, fair town, our fair city. There has been a lot of turnover at the top. 
But when we talk about some of the influencers, we do have people that have been around for a while. They've got families. Maybe they have like dads that were um, working for the extension weed district and have, you know, part of their name associated with the insectarium. I'm talking about the man who is behind Kirsten Pabst in the image that I use for the post criminal justice turnover at the top. That man is Judge Marks. So Judge Marks, you can see his face, you can see his glasses and his sort of long head and the balding on top. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a great image. And if you go to the, to the blog, ZoomCron, you can check out all of the fun pictures that I include in my posts. The next picture is of Mike Collier. He's our interim police chief because by the end of March, we're not going to have a police chief anymore. Right. We're going to have a interim police chief, but that's not Jason White, who was our police chief. So in the last few years, how many police chiefs have we had? So that's a good question. Mike Brady was there for a long time. But Mike Collier, when it comes to transitions, has been the person that's been put into position of leadership temporary a couple times. So when Mike Brady left, Mike was the guy. And when there was some implementation of a certain uh, rape scandal that that sort of embroiled this town, um, Mike was actually one of the guys that was that was thanked by the DOJ, by Cotter from the DOJ. And that was one of the excerpts I, I include in the post. It's very interesting stuff. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, we have that image. And then we also have pictures of apes and bananas. So the bananas get peeled and then you see what's underneath. There's an okay. unpeeling going on. I was trying to have an image that, that represented the words of yeah. discovery because we're just on a journey of discovery, aren't we? Yeah. About the power dynamics here in Zoomtown. So well, let's see. I'm just kind of scanning the headlines to see if there's anything we want to comment on. There's so much to get to that this post isn't, isn't one that I might just maybe moving okay. briefly through. Um, part of what this post was doing is taking some Mineral County and Missoula County correlations, right? So... Mm -hmm. Um, we thought maybe we had a county attorney leaving. Well, Mineral County had Ellen Donahue who left her position. Sure. So when you're looking at the mandamus hearings, and mandamus is a complicated legal matter that Allie knows much more about than I do, um, but the, the takeaway is the Constitution is a little bit under risk. or in, it's, it's a challenging time in Mineral County. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Following the rule of law is important. Yes, and, but it can be difficult. And so Ellen Donahue was in her position. She, she took that job. And I have some quotes here I'm going to read because I, th I thought this was kind of interesting. And it's going to relate to some other stuff that's happening. Okay, so Ellen Donahue is the new Mineral County attorney. I think that was 2017. Uh, replacing Marsha Boris, who left at the end of last summer. Donahue was hired for the position by a selection committee and will work for the rest of Boris's term, which ends in 2018. Currently, she's renting a place, but may buy a home in the future. Quote, it just depends on how well the community likes me. I plan on sticking around for a while, but I've never held an elected position before. It will be up to the voters to decide, she said. Um, a little bit later, uh, I have another quote. One thing that has surprised Donahue is, and this is an emphasis, the high number of felony cases in Mineral County, given the size of the population. There were 92 cases in 2016 compared to 100 in the Anaconda Deer Lodge area which boasts a population of nearly 10,000. But she understands that a number of those cases, and this is another emphasis point, stem from Interstate 90, which stretches across the county. So the action on the highway is something we're now very interested in since 
um, the armed robbery that became a shootout in St. Regis, Montana, um, started in Osborne, Idaho. So there was an attempted armed robbery. There were four suspects. This armed robbery resulted in the suspects fleeing, and they were fleeing by going east on Interstate 90. Yeah. When one jurisdiction, let's say it's the Shoshone Sheriff's Department, which in this case it was, when they are pursuing and they have to come to a state line, which is Montana, which in this case is right at Lookout Pass on Interstate 90, they have to stop. They cannot con continue pursuing the suspects. Right. So that's when Montana can pick up the chase. According to the early reports, um, and literally, like after we got done recording last Saturday, we did go to St. Regis yeah. um, in the evening time. So we drove out there to sor sort of see the aftermath. But um, the amount of jurisdictions that responded was pretty impressive. About 100 individuals, several jurisdictions. We had, um, I think, some SWAT from Missoula. We had Sanders County Sheriff. We had Highway Patrol. We had Kalispell in some capacity respond. We had two bare air. Yay, Batman Mike flying around in the sky. Um, yet there was a disconnect and we'll get to that potential disconnect as reported by Ryan Funk at a community debrief forum, uh, the following Monday. Um, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we went out there Saturday. We did. And what did we see? We saw cones in a parking lot and two, what looked to be not necessarily service dogs, but that can't be confirmed. They didn't, to me, seem to be the types of, of dogs that would be on scene. But they were behind the cones they in the were area behind the cones. where the action seemed to have taken place outside. Right. Mm -hmm. We saw a DCI van across from the St. Regis Travel Center um, that and a truck pulling up to pump gas at the station, not knowing that the St. Regis had been, station had been closed and was actually pretty surprised by that. Yep. Um, and actually a, a surprising calmness in the community after that event. This is within four to five hours after that event. Yeah, so the, <clears throat> the armed robbery happened, I think, kind of late morning on Saturday. And the stuff that developed at the Travel Center in St. Regis was around 11.30 noon, I think. Um, by the time we got out there, you know, the sun had pretty much gone down. The image that I took is pretty, it's, it's not necessarily macabre, but when you understand that the water you see on the pavement is probably washing the blood away, and you do see some of those cones that you mentioned, um, this is outside of the, the gift shop portion of the travel center. Um, since all of this happened, there's been video from inside um, that's pretty, pretty compelling and showing uh, the reaction of some of the customers, and then um, Ken Jasper, one of the, the owners of this kind of entity, the, the travel casino, center, believe, <clears throat> the right? casino portion, Lock the door, <clears throat> excuse me, more than likely really doing a huge heroic effort to stop um, further damage and harm done to community members. There was one hostage that was taken by one of the suspects yeah. who was shot and from what we understand is still alive, but still in the hospital. And there was a female suspect taken into custody before the shootout in right. St. Regis, Montana, um, one of the things that was kind of interesting as the story developed over the weekend was the fact that the four people that were reported, there was some confusion that Sheriff Deputy or Sheriff Ryan Funk had to release, a, I believe, a second statement to indicate that two of the four suspects were taken into custody on a different matter um, outside of this situation in St. Regis. And so in a different town in Montana, the other two individuals were taken into custody. 
We don't have any names yet, even of the dead suspect. Right. And that's been somewhat par for the course lately in law enforcement press releases. So yes, I, I'm not altogether surprised. If you'll remember about a month ago, I think Clinton had an actually not similar situation in that it was not a robbery, but they did have a hostage situation in a gas station, the Clinton gas station. An officer involved shooting that resulted in the death Vitality, of, yeah. yep, of the um, husband that apparently took his wife. In, yeah. Apparently um, by su- suicide by cop is the theory on that. I don't believe we know who was the person involved, um, the badge in that shooting. We still, I don't think, know the jurisdiction involved in the shooting last August, last summer, right. out by the airport. The airport yeah. So there is a continued question um, in my mind about what's being shared with the public. You understand early on that there has to be some kind of uh, <laughs> you know, barrier between all of the information being shared what really gets weird is what happened on Monday. Um, let me just kind of scan and make sure we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so this incident, again, happened on Saturday. And then, well, so I am getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. Um, Wednesday is when the post follow-up about the, the community debrief forum happened. Before we get to that, let's touch briefly, though, on Cognizant, shall we? Are you ready to move on to the next, next post? No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, uh, we actually we're back after a brief pause. It's only discernible because I'm talking about it, but um, we're going to actually adjust the the order of the post that we were discussing for continuity's sake. Yes, I, I really hope the listener appreciates that because before we get into my little walk from condo land to the homeless camp, um, we're going to continue talking about what happened on Saturday because it's not just what happened on Saturday. Um, we have the situation that happened on Monday as well, this community debrief forum. And now that Allie's mic is properly adjusted closer to her mouth, I'm hoping that her perspective will be louder so that people can hear what we are both <clears throat> going to discuss about this situation. Yes. And I wanted to mention, going back to the St. Regis Travel Center, we did have some conversations with people in the community. That's right while we were out there and one of those conversations took place in the super eight motel right across the way and have we determined the female suspect who was taken into custody which hotel it was we have not as some someone probably has i i have not because i couldn't remember if it was the super eight or the other one there there is a motel that right next to the travel center that could have been the location the female suspect was taken into custody Um, Regardless, we did make the decision to stop at the Super 8. There was a family that was waiting, kind of huddled in the the foyer. In the lobby area. Yep. And I was needing to take a bathroom break. You know what? Two bathroom breaks are going to come into this (laughs) podcast episode. It's important. My bathroom break sort of like was helpful because I may have been overwhelming the person working behind the (laughs) counter. So I was sort of told, Travis, go take your ba- take your break. When I came out, you were talking um, to the woman who wanted to share clearly her story because we were right. asking questions. She overheard us, and you were talking to her. What did she tell you? Yes, and not. So I'm saying this in the hopes of not compromising any sort of investigation. But the the bird's eye view of what she said was she was in the travel center with her family at the time when this took place. They had to shelter in place in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And also that there was a lot of blood, presumably 
by the hostage that was shot within the uh, we surmised that hostage was shot inside based right. on that conversation. Correct. Yes. And so uh, a lot of cars, I'll, I'll say this without giving any identifying information, but there were a lot of cars in the St. Regis parking lot that were taken in for evidentiary purposes. Hers being one of them. Some of them had shrapnel in them. And it, it was, it's interesting because... I mean, imagine that. Imagine traveling through St. Regis and all of a sudden your car is confiscated so they were because waiting, it's now evidence. They were waiting for a family member from Spokane to come over to pick them up right. because their ability to get to their destination was yeah, compromised no car. by the shootout. Um, it has been publicly reported that um, there are still bullet holes in the actual building. So the building received right. a couple... Uh, was it re the recipient of some of those bullets that were fired outside. There has been also some footage that shows the suspect scrambling outside of the um, business before the door was locked um, or maybe as the door was being locked. And then some footage from inside that shows the customers looking at the action going on. Um, so it was pretty, pretty intense. It sounds like for everyone involved because yeah. of that intensity, because there were, it seems like dozens of people actually. Um, and so for, for people not aware of some, some of the ways that smaller communities function in terms of community gathering places, the travel center in St. Regis isn't just a place to stop off of I-90. Um, there was a couple there at the debrief that we'll, we'll talk about, um, here in just a second that were actually, they go regularly from Kalispell to the travel right. center just to recreate. Yeah. I mean, it's a destination for them to go. It's and, a highly trafficked area. Yeah, in 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 a, in a good way for the community. Um, off of the interstate, obviously, we have some uh, some of the awful traffic that can come through, but it was it was interesting to actually be in that school. So we decided yeah. um, we heard. Uh, it's actually important to talk about how we heard about right. this. Right, that's actually it, that's very important. <laughs> how did we hear about this community debrief forum? I can't remember if it was from a news article NBC or Montana. It was I'm almost media. positive it was NBC Montana reported it was happening on Monday. I, I believe I found out about it on social media on, on one of the Mineral County pages. Um, but, right. But not everyone was informed about it. Exactly. So we, we start off the post um, conversation uh, that was actually posted on March 22nd. Who dares challenge their hero narrative? We start this just by some context with who knew about this meeting and who yeah. didn't. So county commissioners did not know about it. it. Apparently employees of the county, just in general, like including the county attorney's office, may have not heard about it directly through an email listserv or anything. So right. And we, we do want to be careful because we're not 100% sure on what we're reporting. This is something that is still an ongoing investigation. But when you go to the Mineral County website, you can actually see that uh, one of the deputy county attorneys, Wally Congdon, does not even have an email listed for a contact. So Wally is not out there in terms of an email contact. Um, we also have county commissioners seemingly sharing the same email. So all three county right. commissioners... Um, have what looks to be the same email contact. So I don't know if they just, do they share a computer? I don't know. I don't know. But the county commissioners released a statement expressly stating that they were disturbed by the fact that they were not informed about the event. Yes, that statement, a nice screenshot um, of that is included. And also a picture of Ryan Funk and his badge pals. And also... When we were there, I didn't see any of the county commissioners. They right. could have, if, if one of them was there, I clearly could have missed it. But to my knowledge, none of them uh, were 
possibly able to show up. I don't, I don't even speculate what that was about. I just know that for a community forum that's relatively small, I think 4,000 people in the county total, and an event of this magnitude, and obviously involves interstate jurisdictions and all of that, it, it's, it's one where I would expect to see the leadership of the county present in that place, and so there was especially a, a when notable absence. Especially when there's claims of needing to come together um, beyond the divisiveness. Sure. So I'm going to begin by actually reading what I wrote. Um, here, is, here it is from the Post, Who Dares Challenge Their Hero Narrative? <clears throat> and I'm reading this because it includes your bathroom break, Ali. Hey. I pulled off Interstate 90 in Superior, Montana, so my partner could have a quick bathroom break on the way to the community debrief in St. Regis after Saturday's shootout at the Travel Center, leaving one suspect dead and three others temporarily detained. More on that further down. You want to interrupt, don't you? Thanks for that uh, shout out, I guess. <laughs> you know, hey, it's, it's something that, that has to happen. And guess what? If it wasn't for that, we would not have had the pleasure of seeing in his personal vehicle, Sheriff Funk, going very high speeds. Uh, west on Interstate Divine 90. Divine appointment. Mm -hmm. So I will continue. On the way back to the highway, I saw Mineral County Sheriff Ryan Funk leaving work around 5.15 p.m. I'm mentioning this because what happened next is either a trauma response to stress or an indication of what the sheriff thinks about following the law. Because once Funk hit the highway, he opened it up and hit speeds over 90 miles per hour. I won't explain how I came to determine this. Yeah, how did you come to know You know, I plead that. the fifth lawyer lady. Maybe he was just excited to see his pals, the Montana Highway Patrol guy and Sanders County Sheriff, who, like Ryan, is new to the sheriff position and, and maybe to the knowledge of the Constitution. Um, as of January, here they are in the school gym getting ready for the hero treatment. So I got a nice picture of Ryan. Um, and I think this was after he, he sort of like kind of walked and kind of shook his head like he was getting ready to fight. Um, so I will continue. The debrief was not a chance for press to ask questions. That was made very clear by the woman who led the event, Amy Lohman. Instead, the intent was for community members to connect with resources, like counseling, since so many in the community were witnesses to Saturday's shootout. Witnesses were also directed to not share specific details, since the investigation is obviously ongoing and being led by DCI, which stands for Division of Criminal Investigation. So we learned, Ali, as we were sitting in the top bleachers of the gymnasium, we learned that every witness that actually saw what happened was sent to a different room to have yeah. a different conversation. To speak with counselors. Right. And that was after um, a couple standing ovations. Sure. Um, for law enforcement, which um, members of law enforcement, they were the ones that ran toward risk. So we want to commend people that have the job of running Absolutely. towards risk. Um, because a lot of people would not do that. Uh, we also want to point out that people like Wayne Cashman, the deputy sheriff of Mineral County, under sheriff, yeah, who was there, was also present at the in the gymnasium. Right. I don't know if administrative leave is something that people involved in shootings need to be put on, but that was just one of those like initial questions. You see a bunch of people who may or may not have been actually involved in the shooting, all these different jurisdictions, and more than let's say six bullets. Um, so there's some questions about the appropriateness even of law enforcement being at a, an event like this in the first place. Well, so to your question, one is about capacity. Can people be placed on administrative leave when there's only just a few deputies in the entire county? Uh, I really don't know as a practical matter 
I think that's an interesting question. Well, and um, <clears throat> as we try and ignore some of the sounds um, outside of this room, one of the, the things that actually comes up in social media and how it's being used by the Mineral County Sheriff's Office, literally the, the way that the Montana Highway Patrol and the Sheriff's Office kind of back each other up um, in terms of shift coverage, there really is questions right. about how many deputies are on shift at any given time, who might be working overtime, who might be burning themselves out, um, are all legitimate questions, but, but really a tragic situation for the community. This was claimed <clears throat> to be an attempt to debrief and to come together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the other very inappropriate presence we'll want to talk about is lawyer Lance Jasper. Well, before we get to any of that, I just wanted to say that I was under a mistaken impression about the nature of the event. I don't know why. I just made an assumption that this was more of a press conference. So, I mean, I really anticipated sort of a debrief of what happened. David to, Erickson to, through, for the Missoulian was there. Uh, Monty yeah. Turney as a reporter was there. So I Press was there. Yes, but I, ex well, I expected though, when I say press conference, I expected some answers to be somewhat <laughs> yeah. forthcoming, right? So, but I mean, no questions for the press from right. the press. That was, that was explicit. Right. And it's, it's kind of interesting because obviously there's an ongoing investigation. They can't release some of the details. That's totally fine. Normally, I, I would have expected some sort of community statement even by the sheriff or, or whomever. And he did, the sheriff did make a statement, but it's kind of interesting because the nature of the event was fundamentally different than I anticipated. Doesn't mean it's better or worse. It just means it's different. And that, that was not to me super well communicated. I really appreciate the counselors in the community giving, yes. um, giving voice and strength to the survivors. That is a, a terrifying incident for anyone and especially the kids i'm always thinking about well and that's what one of the challenges right now is how quickly a, a hero narrative is forming and how really unable anyone in the community is positioned to challenge it i do not live in that community um you and i have been spending a lot lot a lot of time actually kind of going back and forth <clears throat> but you mentioned a statement from the sheriff i want to now read the full statement from the county commissioners so this statement comes um, march 21st 2023 and it reads dear mineral county citizens on behalf of the county commissioners we would like to share how proud we are of our sheriff's office regarding the saint regis travel center incident on 319 and express our gratitude to our officers and their dedication to community safety and service their readiness to act and put their lives on the line for others in a time of uncertainty shows how valuable they are to all of us in a time of crisis, Mineral County continues to hold strong and support one another. We are equally as thankful for the services of DES, EMT, and fire departments that participated in this incident. The coordination and cooperation among services was phenomenal. We offer a sincere apology for our absence on the evening of March 20th and the opportunity to come together. We were disturbed to learn of the event after the fact and intend to make sure such a community healing gathering never escapes us in the future. Please know that all three of us stand in unison for the physical and emotional health of our county. May we all stay safe and healthy as a county. And that was signed by Commissioners Simons, Terrell, and Zalawi. And for listeners just tuning in who haven't been paying attention to this, I was going to call it a different type of scape, but landscape I will land on. <laughs> um, hmm. it, it, it's interesting because 
Mineral County, with all due respect, has been somewhat of a tire fire. Uh, there's been division be between those in the county attorney's office and the sheriff's office and the county commissioners and the public and everything. So it's, it's this event takes place in the context of a lot of division and hostility. And so such an event would be, in theory, an opportunity to come together. And I hope that that's true. I was actually really surprised when the person who is leading the event starts out with uh, not wanting to stir divisiveness. Yeah. I was um, actually surprised by that comment. <clears throat> right. Not surprised by the context, but, I mean, that's sort of an interesting lead. Well, so... <clears throat> To, to not be divisive, one has to sort of align one's fingers with one's brain. So um, it wasn't just Ryan Funk, the sheriff, with a really heavy Wait. foot on the on the gas pedal. Ryan Funk apparently couldn't keep his fingers um, from going too fast on a computer oh. um, on social media because Sheriff Ryan Funk. I see what you're saying. On social media, decided to chime in. They weren't. They weren't there. They weren't missed. So a sheriff making a public comment that the county commissioners weren't there and they weren't missed. Seems like a not very good thing if the hope is to not sow divisiveness within your community, Sheriff Funk. And the reality is all of these positions are elected officials. Exactly. So in, in county commissioner, you know, has some sort of reign right. <laughs> within the county that, that should be respected. The position itself, even if you disagree with, the individuals or the personalities within the positions, it's still a hierarchy. Right. So, so guess what, guess what's not an elected position, a, a captain of a sheriff's office and a police chief normally is not in an elected position. Right. Right. Um, so I had some conversations with some Idaho members of law enforcement. Okay. Um, I didn't specify in the post. I'll specify in the podcast um, that I had a nice conversation with the chief of police of Osborne, Idaho. Um, the chief of police is someone I talked to after already calling the, the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office once. They kind of sent me to the police chief because that is where the incident happened. So the initial response from the sheriff's office is say, okay, contact the city police. That's who we are referring people to. The police chief clearly said, you know, <laughs> the pursuit is a county sheriff jurisdiction issue. And I explained to the police chief, oh, yeah, no, I know. That's why I called them first. But, you know, I'm an independent journalist here in Missoula, Montana, and I just want to, like, chat with you. And then I just told them some cool stuff about hammers of mandamus and how they um, have, like, sort of come down in Mineral County. Obviously, I went into some more actual specifics that would make sense to someone that's not familiar with these kind of obscure legal moves. But um, the takeaway in my two conversations, because after the police chief, like I said, I did talk to a captain um, with the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office. And the takeaway that I wanted them to have is that Ryan Funk mentioned a disconnect between Idaho and Montana. He mentioned that in a community forum in which press was not allowed to ask questions. And David Erickson, the Missoulian reporter, actually had that disconnect as a very prominent part yes. of his report on that community forum. And I think Ryan Funk, if he's not media savvy, which clearly his fingers and social media presence indicates, needs to pay attention that a Missoulian reporter is prominently displaying a disconnect. And so that's what I talked to the Idaho law enforcement members about, um, because my concern is from a perspective of a former uh, person that's worked with a, a marginal population, often in conflict with law enforcement, you know, that's the chronic homeless population. 
Um, I have worked across jurisdictions in a collaborative spirit with many different members of law enforcement. And I, I like talking to cops. I do. I don't know why. It's just the gallows humor we share. Um, so my ability to actually be heard, unfortunately, is pretty good. And I say unfortunately because it is not smart to start throwing Idaho law enforcement under the bus in a situation that has an ongoing investigation. You know, half your freaking community seem to have witnessed, you know, the shootout in the OK Corral or the, I mean, the travel center in St. Regis. Um, and so a lot of early missteps for a sheriff new to the position. Um, but, you know, he's got his buddy in Sanders County, who's also a new sheriff as of January. And he's got another guy named Sean, who's a Montana Highway Patrol. And maybe Roman Zalawi, who used to be Highway Patrol, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, the problem is all of this stuff is conflated. This is not seen as a, as an isolated incident, because, you know, and, and this is law enforcement's appropriate response. And thank God for the heroes in law enforcement who, yes, yes. who yeah. put an end to something that could have been much worse. And I'm very thankful for that. It's interesting, though, within the context of the community forum, all of these things seem to be meshed together. So it's not just this incident. It's somewhat a commentary on um, just the sheriff's office in general and all of that. So it, w you, you mentioned the writ of mandamus. We haven't talked about Lance. Can, can, can you actually explain from your legal perspective why the, the complicated legal matter currently playing out means that Lance Jasper's presence with the sheriff's office is a, a difficult thing to sort of explain to Judge Vanetta? Is that something that um, can be easily explained to our listening audience? It's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of, that's cracking quite the can. Um, it's, it's interesting. So again, just a summary on the writ of mandamus that, that is an ongoing proceeding in a few weeks. I believe there's another hearing on that. And so what just, again, recap. So, and, and the sheriff's office and the, the county attorney's office are both separate parties to right. this legal process. Um, Ryan Funk as the sheriff has actually uh, retained his own counsel beyond right just what Lance Jasper is providing through his law firm. So it's getting very in the weeds already a bit. So Lance's firm is the moving party right. representing the plaintiffs against the Mineral County Attorney's Office and Mineral County Sheriff's Office. There are two separate writs of mandamus. Correct. Um, the Sheriff's Office to this point has largely been in compliance with the writ of mandamus, they're trying to do everything they can. I know there's still some outstanding issues with former Sheriff Mike Toth and talks of subpoenas with him and information that he may or may not have and may or may not have deleted on his way out of office. Right. The Mineral County Attorney's Office, as of the last hearing, had yet to be in compliance with the writ of mandamus. And so playing behind the scenes is this game it seems to me from an outside perspective and this is just my opinion but it does seem to be somewhat of a one-upsmanship like the sheriff's office is trying to say see we're in compliance but no mineral county attorney's office you're not so one thing that you would want there to be between a county attorney's office and a sheriff's office is communication. Absolutely. You would actually need that communication if you're taking suspects in a crime into custody and if that suspect is then released from jail or from detention. So we have um, one source, we have some concerns from what we're hearing and it seems to be potentially confirmed by a second, although you have to kind of be very careful in conversations happening in a small town like this. If the female suspect 
who was taken into custody on Saturday, if that female suspect was released from jail without the county attorney's office being notified, that is concerning. That seemed to kind of perk up the interest also of the Shoshone County captain I spoke with, just the, the concern that that might have been something that happened. Um, again, this isn't confirmed, um, but there is worry enough, and we, we have plenty of concerns about the Mineral County Jail. Um, the Mineral County Jail um, somewhat recently experienced an individual who committed suicide in the jail. Um, there's been problems with just funding and you know actually getting prisoners food, so enough calories um, can be a, a challenge sometimes in Mineral County, but for their prisoners and inmates, but there are some real, real big concerns if that's happening. If it, that breakdown of communication has led to something like that, big concerns. It's a public safety concern. Absolutely. Ultimately. Although public safety is being first and foremost on the mind of Sheriff Funk, at least whoever's uh, operating the Facebook uh, social media page, because um, we actually had something um, recently put out about another man taken into custody and dangerous looking guy by the highway patrol. And, and Sheriff Funk was noted as having taken part in, in this man being taken into custody because public safety is very important to the Mineral County Sheriff's Office. Sure. And so was uh, getting back to what you were asking. Yes, about Lance Jasper, Ritzman Damus, why it's problematic for Lance Jasper to have been present and actually speaking at this community forum. The first witness who was there with his child um, and Lance Jasper, who tearfully made sure that um, the accolades were, were heavily directed in multiple standing ovations to all of the badges standing in, along the edge of the gymnasium wall. Why is that a, 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 a challenge? Legally. So it's interesting, and my condolences to Lance and his son for being very witness to such a horrific event. Yeah. And I really, truly hope for healing for them both and, and for everyone who endured that and the first responders on all levels. The challenging part, <sighs> Mineral County is so small, and Lance has been very public in his what what in he from his perspective is healing mineral county through bringing it into compliance with the basic rule of law so that's his perspective on the matter that's why he's bringing this right this suit against right the attorney's office and the sheriff's office not everyone within the county shares that perspective some in the county believe that it's actually breeding divisiveness I'm not a resident of Mineral County, so I am not going to speak to one way or the other at this point. Yeah. But just it is a little bit awkward that the lead counsel who is suing Mineral County and Mineral County Sheriff's Office is the first one to speak on this particular incident when that's like two weeks before the next writ of mandamus hearing. And so it just is a little uncomfortable. We also have um, a possible word, possible word that not just um, one additional counsel has been brought on in defense of the right. sheriff's office, or possibly even in defense of Ryan Funk as an individual. It's unclear to me uh, as a very layman in this legal proceeding. Um, but if there's multiple lawyers now getting involved, I mean, just kaching, kaching, kaching. Right. I mean, we're we're the talking about for the county, not just yeah. money. I mean, and, and Judge Vanetta, who's presiding over yeah. this this kind of charade has actually been mindful and has spoken to the cost. 
sure. uh, that Mineral County is going to be incurring if divisiveness continues playing out in the courtroom, which right. we'll, we'll have to see what, the, what this next hearing is like. Yeah. But man, it is getting pretty crazy. And, and ultimately, it's the taxpayers of Mineral County who are on the hook for this. So it, it, it is to everyone's advantage to work together um, in this as much as possible and to be brought back into, into basic compliance. I mean, there, there can definitely be disagreements among the different branches. So that, that ongoing process that, that we've been covering, and I hope listeners appreciate that we are actually going in person to Mineral County to cover this, this legal proceeding. But, um, it's important to note, I think that the incident in St. Regis and the way that it's playing out in this one community in Montana was actually part of a weekend of violence that happened um, Billings yes. and Great Falls. And Thank so I you just, for mentioning that. I want to mention really quickly Austin Knutson, our attorney general. This is a comment that he had on social media. Um, and it's important to note that we do have the attention of both. Um, actually, now Governor Gianforte has come and made some comments about this past weekend. But here is Austin Knutson from his account. Um, yesterday was a hard day for Montana law enforcement. Within roughly 12 hours, we had three separate use of force incidents across the state. A murder-suicide, a violent standoff with an officer shot, and a high-speed pursuit that became a hostage situation. If you see a cop today, please thank them for the incredibly dangerous job they do. So that was from our Attorney General Austin Knudsen about the weekend that saw three separate incidents um, that included use of force. And it was quite a... <laughs> We've, of course, had some conversations off camera. No, yeah. We're not recording, but um, off the microphone about spring and this time of year actually just being very difficult for people that might be struggling with any number of issues kind of popping off this time of year. Sure. And so it almost feels like we're kind of getting an early peak into the season with some of the instability and in how it's playing out with law enforcement ultimately when nothing else is going right in someone's life. Yeah. Um, the end of that long series of uh, tragic events can sometimes be the, the barrel of a gun from law enforcement. And that's something that, that we saw a lot last weekend. Yeah. And there have been a lot of even personal losses lately, unfortunately. Yeah. So this is a tough time of year. <clears throat> Excuse me for uh, continuing to have to clear my throat. Um, there are resources usually for folks obviously to reach out. If you're feeling like harming yourself, there's suicide hotlines, um, places you can text if you need some support. So something to consider as we're actually talking about mental health services, getting counseling, um, processing trauma. Um, you know, I sort of tongue in cheek mentioned a trauma response of Ryan Funk speeding in his car. I'm not kidding, though. That really right. could be a trauma response. Um, you know, I've definitely identified some uh, re reactions in my own life on, on that sort of personal front. But um, to have a community forum where there's a legitimate need to connect to services, have to have already some early questions about who was in the know and who wasn't is a really, it's a lost opportunity with the state paying attention. Maybe this is an opportunity to provide some additional financial resources from that billion plus surplus we have right? to actually get some of our border counties into not just compliance with the law, um, but let's get ahead of things and maybe yeah. get some preventative stuff in place so that we're not in this reactionary West Western shootout kind of situation. Right. So to help out, because if not now, when, Right. At what point has there ever been more of a crisis that has demanded a response? I mean, I, I've never seen anything like this. It is it is hard to to have a comparison. Um, there's not much that's relatable. I, you know, somewhat relatively new to looking at some of these things full time and, and trying to parse it out for an audience. But it is truly fascinating and disturbing. Um, and we're going to continue covering stuff now that we've kind of 
played out a bit of what, what's been happening on that issue, let us go to taking a walk. Okay. Oh. Yes. I'm following. But you weren't able to follow that day I took my walk. It was a solo walk. I was strolling. I just wanted to take some pictures, Allie. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to go down and take some pictures of Cognizant. Okay. Their campus in the Sawmill District, a, a, a engine of gentrification. It was, a, it was a nice little walk. It was a good stroll. There were some art murals. I was talking shit on the local art community about possibly taking money from Cognizant, um, taking money from Bloomberg Philanthropies. I knew that because I like to look at the public committees and how they meet and their agendas. And so I saw the public art committee was going to meet and they were going to talk about this stuff. So what do I do? I'm going to write about it. I'm going to go take a walk. Um, we're going to maybe even talk about daddy issues because daddy worked for ATG, which was bought out by Cognizant. Um, so as I was doing all of that, meaning I was already semi-triggered because of my own personal baggage bullshit, I decided to extend my walk down Wyoming Street. Um, it's a Wyoming Street's fascinating here in Missoula, Montana. You've got election offices. You've got addiction services. You've got a food bank. You've got a police station if you continue walking west on Wyoming Street. But I took this right. And I went down to the river. I went down and took some pictures of a homeless camp, got into some arguments, wasn't all that productive, but it did lead to some ideas that we're going to be discussing. How are you doing? Okay. Are you hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. Are you ready for the cognizant walk from condo land to homeless camps? I think so. I just have to quickly insert that. I support arts. I know Luckily. you were just talking about how you really do like the, I like the electric boxes. electrical boxes that are painted by artists. I really admire that and really appreciate it. So, and it's good that you say the positive things because my pessimistic, cynical, butthurt posturing can sometimes be a little bit, eh, but I did film portions of my walk and I think it's going to be educational because I have my own tiff that I've been launching this week. Oh my gosh. I have my own TIF. For people that aren't aware of TIF, tax increment financing, that's the old TIF. That's the kidding me out TIF that used to pop up on posters. Like, what's going <laughs> on with this? This is tax increment financing. This is a scheme. Um, clearly, we have helped educate the community at this point about what tax increment financing means. I don't think people are pre truly prepared, though, for what Travis's impact fund means. <laughs> that's for sure. They're not. No. Travis's impact fund is Just money. No. That will be directed to me. Um, and we're going to be talking about fives here. Okay? Fives? Yes. Because the the, oh, the yes. mill levy was $5 million. I'm hoping to raise $5,000. I got seed money of 500 bucks. That's a lot of fives. Mm -hmm, that is. That's three fives. That's 15 if you want to do some multiplication. I'm an English major. I'm not going to do those kind of numbers. I might need help with the numbers of what I'm hoping to do. Because what I'm hoping to do is taking $500... And documenting how I'm going to take my expertise as the former homeless outreach coordinator, and I'm going to do some initial assessments of potential sites for cleanup. I'm going to document the time. I'm going to pay myself for the time because my time is valuable, but the resources, um, the materials I might have to purchase to do some direct cleanups, if I have to bring in some additional help. Um, sign the forms so we are thinking about all the things that we need to think about. Um, Consult the jurisdictions that need to be consulted. But honestly, after my little walk this week and after following this one particular area where there was three active campsites, one of them being uh, inhabited by a, by a former offender who assaulted two MDT staff last September during a cleanup in which you and I participated, 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see if we can make some of the fives uh, a little bit more impactful. So as the as the crying happens over the five million, that's not going to be happening in the form of a cri of a crisis mill levy in perpetuity. I'm going to show what five hundred dollars might be able to do in the hopes to turn that into five thousand because Travis's impact fund is going to impact things like my ability to cover rent and to um, pay the, the, the fees for the podcast, um, the fees for the blog. I mean, when I actually have to start looking at all those numbers, which as an English major terrify me, but I need to do as someone that has to do everything in an independent journalist trying to monetize your business kind of way, although I do get lots of help. Um, but I want to be able to grow that into official help because the idea would be to actually have additional people you could pay right? You'd have like a small media presence that's more than just one person. An example, Ali, why I would need more than just one person. You know, you don't get compensated for editing or for pulling me away from ledges that would right. compromise potential credibility out there in the community. Um, when you do have an editor, when you do have a little bit more uh, people involved, when you can find a balance of not just like a getting big for the big sake, the way James O'Keefe did, um, you know, I think I think there's some interesting stuff there. You're you're telling me to move along. Well, because you had a point that you were talking about. I, I kind of started rambling away from that point. Yes, mm. you did, and you were talking about. But am the I helping make community? my point? Why I need help to stay on point? Uh, Is that part of the point? Just get back to the point. <laughs> okay, so I took some pictures. I took a walk. Uh, I ran into a homeless camp. I had some conversations, and it resulted in some interesting, interesting reporting at the blog and some interesting opportunities. I'll leave it at that. And you support the arts community. Do I? Right? <laughs> I don't know if that was a question or a statement. I thought it was more of a statement, but. Well, let's see. Um, in their non-action items, the public art committee, or public art committee, they were gonna talk about race. Um, that's some acronym that Cognizant Funding proposal was gonna give them. Stormwater mural project, the PAC Live thing, public art coordinator email, Bloomberg grant opportunity, indigenous mural project, the traffic circle, traffic circle project, um, traffic signal box project, you like that one. Uh, Missoula sculpture park. Um, I hope it's not that blue sculpture dog by the rail link park. That thing is ugly and costs twenty five thousand dollars. I haven't seen that. That might be a scam. Environmental art. We are but one thread. I'm not sure what the heck that is. And the annual meeting review. So it's not that I um, don't support local artists. The the issues that I've made in the past and that I made in my public comment as I was sitting in a small room with <laughs> a couple different people is narrative control. And my concern is that money comes to strings. Those strings enact narrative control. And narrative control is something I'm trying to bust because the stories that we're tracking are not largely known or understood by our own community in our own backyard. And we want right. to break through to the other side. Said Jim Morrison? Am uh, I am is I it? <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I think we've covered that cognizant part of condo land to homeless camps. We can talk a little okay. bit more about Travis's impact fund. That um, I'm getting a little bored at this point on that one. Okay. <laughs> what else? What else should we discuss? We have we have a little bit more time before we can wrap up this portion of the Zoom Cron Week in Review. I know there's something I'm missing. Let me. Oh, there's a whole other post, and it's about water. Yeah. Well, there's several things we're talking about, right? The water and and Frankenstein. Oh, my goodness, of course. Yeah. 
I, I almost forgot about the movie because I didn't write a How? post about it. it oh. I'm not looking at my notes properly. I see. And this is why I need help. See, I'm, I'm once again trying to make the point. Assistance is key when you want to um, grow a robust information hub in your own local community. Okay, so we're going to discuss water first. Um, this post was March 23rd. The title, Water Priorities, Money to pr Promote Play, Not Investigations. Um, the idea being that the promoting play is happening through the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. The money is $300,000. It's going to a consultant. Um, the scope of what's being planned is, the, I mean, it's called the Flynn Lowney Ditch Project, but you don't want that ditch word to cause you to underestimate the scope of what they're planning because Morgan Valiant is one of the leads on this project. Very excited. It's taken years and it's going to possibly be, let me, let me read his quote. Um, so having that, this is a quote from Valiant, having that nonprofit partnership is really critical to help us gain capacity and bring in that funding, said Valiant. I do believe this will be the biggest river project our city has tried to take on since building the levee system downtown to expand downtown. It's one that could have national significance. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I said something a little bit um, probably negative just because in all these committee meetings I've been sitting in, like they're struggling to update forms and to follow agenda rules and to do some basic things. So like, like the technology, if I have to listen one more time to that sound, like echo sound when they get the, the audio screwed up because of the zoom technology or the, Oh man. Oh yes. That's been happening frequently. But the question is what is the priority? You know, we have obviously local officials continuing to be upset about not getting the mill levy, but $300,000 just for a consultant to figure out how they can do things like make another recreational wave to play on. That's part yeah. of the plan. Like Brennan's wave is for kayakers. It's a, it's a false wave that was made for recreational purposes and they want to duplicate stuff like that. That's where the money is going. Meanwhile, right. um, one of the things covered in this article is what's been recently reported coming out of Bozeman. So out of Gallatin County, we have an attorney. She just found a box of, of cases. Oh yes. We were going to touch on that as well. So I don't know if you want to go in any direction um, water. We also, this post talks about drownings. And right. So to the first part where you're talking about the, the wave that they're talking about, that's obviously targeting tourism yes. and, and making Missoula a, a vacation destination and a place where people want to go. So Correct. that is why a lot of resource, why resources are being funneled that way. Um, as far as the second thing you said, the boxes, well, we're just, we're, so there was a situation in this area that's being looked at for all of this money and all, all of this development. Um, when I wanted to shift in the post to talking about investigations that may or may not be happening, um, a houseless woman that I knew very well, Kim Michelle, was the 60-year-old woman that was found dead in the water in this area in 2021. Um, I remember when I was writing about that at the time, one of uh, the regular commenters at the blog mentioned, who, who I know to be a retired fire guy, uh, mentioned that a lot of houseless people have been found dead, often by yeah. water. Um, there is a huge pattern nationally that is being tracked by all kinds of people now 
Um, the smiley face killer is sort of a misnomer. I've seen some criticism as I've been looking into this about that term, but there, there continues to be worry about how people are showing up dead in water. And if you're looking at the capacity for county attorneys to actually treat seriously all the cases they're getting, um, we have a Gallatin County attorney, I think relatively new to the job, but finding a case, a literal case, a box of, of a bunch of different cases that are just kind of now in limbo. And this is going back 14 years in one situation, um, violent cases, sexual assault cases, um, some pretty horrific stuff that just got lost. And I think my first reaction to you when you, because we both read the article independently, we both saw yes. it. and. You mentioned Yellowstone County. To be honest with you, when I first read that, my first thought was this is pr like Gallatin County is probably doing better than a lot of counties in and this you have, state. And you have actual so, experience working within the criminal justice system on the eastern side of the state. So you would, right. you would know when you I, say that. I'm relieved that they found the boxes and I'm appalled to report that they're, they're probably not alone in that. Um, I hope. I hope something does come of it. it. It's kind of appalling to see a case that was 14 years old that has yet to be even recommended for prosecution. It's been recommended for prosecution, but but no groundwork has been done. Thank God for revisions and statutes well, of limitation. I mean, and who knows if some of the, the people involved in these cases even know that's what happened. No, yeah, Because of a course. lot of times um, people have an expectation that the criminal justice system does certain things on its own. You know, you don't... You don't necessarily understand you have to initiate and sometimes move along cases. Right. Um, Victims have rights to be notified timely about yes. the status of their case. Right. <laughs> as, sim as simple as that. I mean, it's that. just, it's as simple as that, but it's also, I mean, here we're seeing, and this is something that's a thread through this entire conversation, counties that have been under-resourced because... Everywhere you go, there is lack of capacity because there's burnout, there's high turnover. Um, and here's, and so, here's something that needs to happen. Here's something that really, really needs to happen. The circling of wagons by the locals when they are called out by maybe an outside perspective that's come from, let's say, unfortunately, the eastern part of the country. Okay, let's just say there are jurisdictions that have maybe gotten past some of the challenges being being dealt with here within Montana jurisdictions. It, it's a little worrisome to have some of those direct conversations with people that would know because they've had experience working at a, um, let's just say like somewhat higher level within a more serious criminal justice system to see some of the things that are not happening. We really do need some work being done because if tourism is going to be the financial engine of so many communities, if we have so many people from California moving in with their expectations you know, um, it's just a matter of time before enough of them uh, push a new attorney general through that's going to do something more substantive. And like, we're not just going to fall back on the good old boy, you know, vigilante sort of <laughs> wild west. That's not going to fly in Montana right. for too much longer. And this is not just a Gallatin County problem. This is a statewide issue. Yes, it is. If you'll recall from a few years ago, there was that article about all of the untested rape kits mm -hmm. for years. I mean, untested rape kits. Do you know how traumatic it is for someone to go through that? I do not. It's, it's horrific. It's yep. one of the worst things that a person can go through is even just like the process that is so re-traumatizing 
two people. It's ridiculous. You don't want your system to be in a race uh, with perpetrators doing the actual crimes in terms of what's more traumatizing, the system or the perpetrators. Right. Because I mean, in some situations, it's like a neck and neck kind of race. Like, yes. oh, who's it going to be? And the grinding time even that it takes for things, and especially if it's dropped off the radar and forgotten, then you can almost have the system taking the lead and causing more damage and trauma than the actual perpetrator's committing the crimes in the first place. For sure. And I'm remembering in Yellowstone County, I believe it was 2015, zero rapes were prosecuted <laughs> that year. Zero. Be because not, there was zero that happened, Allie. Zero. I, what, what's the problem with your goose zero. egg? You're holding up this like zero thing. Like a, that sounds I mean, awesome. It, no, everyone was safe that year. It's incredible. Either Yellowstone County is the safest place on earth or you know there's an issue. All of a sudden, you're going to start telling me that the, the sudden drop in pneumonia cases is suspicious during a certain little pandemic. Stop it. Okay. So, yes. Very good points. Um, very serious things that are happening. But no, here's the... But I do one yes. more rant on that. Please, please do. We have an issue within yep. the criminal justice system of this state, of this nation, frankly. But let's just stick to Montana for yeah, now. This is our backyard. That's where we're doing the work. We also have the responsibility to fix it. And so those in authority who have the purse strings at the state level and who have the ability and capacity to do something, do something. So Roman Zalawi, purse strings are something that sometimes you put your hands around. You have your hands around purse strings. The last post is, and before we talk about the movie, <clears throat> the last post is an introduction for ZoomCron readers to Mineral County Commissioner Roman Zalawi. Um, he's standing there with his kind of arm on his hip in the picture because he retired. He retired at some point. Um, he was a Montana highway patrolman. Um, he was also simultaneously a county commissioner for a while, decided both those jobs kind of difficult to do both. And so um, decided to kind of focus on his county commissioner gig. Um, that was before he decided to make some comments that were discussed in the post comments that both he and his fellow male county commissioner decided um, to direct at their female county commissioner. And then Upon realizing it was being recorded, Roman did a little bit of a, that's what I read in the news. Like that was going to get him out of the hot water. He just put himself in yeah, the boiling it's, pot it's disgusting. on the stove. Um, Dawn, she, um, her last name, is it, uh, let me see, Patrell? Terrell, I believe. Terrell has been put in this weird situation. If you look at the county commissioner recording of their, their meeting on February 24th, actually has had to defend herself from members of the public. And now you brought this to my attention. I finally saw some of this playing out on video where she hasn't defended herself enough. She, in some ways, and you had some criticism about this and I'll, you know, obviously defer to you to, to get more into this, but initially wasn't all that critical of her colleagues. So what would you like to say? Yeah. I mean, that? this, this is a horrible situation of victim blaming yep. if I've seen it. And so I like my condolences to Don and also every woman in that County, every man as well, because it's just misogyny and sex and sexism doesn't help anyone. And even the, even the perpetrators of it, even the folks who folks we had to, we had to throw no effort, effort no there. effort people. But even so, this all it does is degrade the level of conversation in Mineral County. Yeah. If if it could be degraded worse than it already had been. At a, at a time where things are already so heated, to have this additional level of public anger now, and and to have it just almost so scattershot. I mean, I guess I don't know. It's hard to understand why she would be the target other than victim blaming. Yeah, and it's it's clear. <laughs> 
it's oh my goodness i have so many thoughts on this but so apologies and condolences to don she never should have been the subject of anyone's comments on the record or off the record yep period especially like by elected officials they're being paid by taxpayers the end of story uh for those who are criticizing don for and, and i was to, to be honest when she's she's choosing not to go forward with any litigation against the people who made the statements that is 100 percent her prerogative I imagine she's in a very difficult situation at, on yeah, the county commission. Anyone that's not with, her is not, like, not yeah. doing the cost benefit analysis that really matters. She has to do her own cost benefit analysis 100%. in the county in which she lives. And so she is the only one situated to make that decision. With that said, I think it would be good now or in the future to, to make some sort of comment saying these comments are unacceptable. We do not allow women to be treated that way, whether they're elected officials or just general members of the public. And we don't tolerate this kind of BS. I mean, some statement like that leveling the field, you don't have to go after them civilly, fine. But I hope that all of Mineral County raises a standard uh, to, to abide by. And that's, and that's it. I mean, and this is at a time when there's again, opportunities because in some of the reporting on mineral County that we're discussing today, um, we also have County commissioners in Missoula County having, um, pay parity issues. We have right. the same law firm, Lance Jasper, Bell Jasper, Reap, Reap Gel, Vasper, Booster. Ah, sounds familiar. Um, something like that. But we have the same law firm is in litigation against two counties. We have Mineral County seemingly in open warfare with itself. Um, I know county commissioners in Missoula, at least the one I spoke with, not very happy that the pay parity litigation cost the county over four million dollars. A lot. Um, that means that Missoula County sheriffs, sheriff deputies, many of them got anywhere between forty thousand to 70,000 in some cases, essential, essentially bonus pay as the adjustments were, were made. And so there's an opportunity to take a look at Missoula and Mineral County right now and what's happening because um, there's a lot of overlap, especially within the criminal justice system. You've got Missoula judges that take time to go and, um, you know, basically enter the playpen and put the toddlers in timeout. Sometimes uh, that's actually kind of what seems to be happening. But um, it's going to be very interesting to continue seeing how this enters a courtroom, how the stuff that's been in a community forum that's played out in a, in a shootout battle and sure. that has continual, continual divisive social media posts by m different members of the community, some in elected positions. I mean, how that all plays out and spills over into Missoula, especially as, you know what, I, one of the, the businesses I walked into uh, along my little stroll as I was letting him know about the, the um, sex offender homeless guy living under, under the bridge was an outfitter. And they were very busy because they're getting ready for tourists to come and start fishing. You know, people want to sure. come to Montana as the weather warms to start their recreation odysseys here. And this is a chance for people to make ends meet as businesses do rely on tourism. This is an important time of year. It's going to be interesting to see how the public safety themes, not just in this podcast episode, but in plenty of our past episodes, which you can check out, we've had the, the safety theme really play a heavy, oh, heavy role. It's coming up over and over again. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff plays out. Yeah, it will. Should we talk about movies? Yeah. You, Allie, don't watch a ton of movies. <laughs> That's true. 
Um, you did watch God's Country, which may or may I not be about Mineral County. It is 100% about vigilante justice, and it is filmed in Montana. Absolutely. That's not the one we're talking about, though. We are no. going to talk about The Singularity. And that's not the name of the movie. The movie that discusses this idea of AI becoming sentient and indistinguishable from humans, that is called Ex Machina. Yes. And we watched it. We did. It's directed by Alex Garland. I don't know who that is. Um, Oh, The Beach, I think, is the name of his book. I remember reading Mm. his book um, about some hippies that go check out this cool beach in the middle of like the ocean and they come across a pot farm situation. And it's like a... It's, it's a really interesting book. He wrote that when he was 26. One of the characters in this movie is a 26-year-old male who works in the tech industry. What was his name again in the movie? Oh, goodness. I might have to look that up. I um, but as I, as I do that, Carter. I couldn't remember. It so doesn't matter. We have been... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. Um, so, but as we've been kind of thinking a little bit about artificial intelligence, obviously it's something that's being pushed on us with chat GPT and all this imagery that's starting to come to us because AI is apparently an artist and wants to share art with us now. Um, but we've been thinking a little bit about this with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, that's a really fascinating reboot that people should check out because it opens with a female. And of course, apparently female is when this is how the cyborgs are going to be presented to how us. How come there's no male robots? I'm going like, to get to this. What, what the there heck? might be something going on here. But okay. um, the female cyborg in, in Battlestar Galactica walks into this room. Um, for those that aren't aware of the show, I think 40 years went by after this cyborg war. And so humans were not aware that the cyborgs went from clunky looking robots to like pretty attractive female uh, hybrid or female re- replicas simulation. And so the, the um, female looking cyborg asked the human something like, are you human or how do you know? There was some kind of question, I can't remember specifically how it was phrased, but that brought to mind the Turing test. And right. in preparation for watching Ex Machina, we talked a little bit about the Turing test. Interesting stuff. It is. Can you describe what the Turing test is? Well, let me see. So I'm going to bring a book out. I get very excited when I can actually use a book. That's your signed copy, right? I didn't even realize that Ray, Ray Kurzweil signed this copy of The Singularity is Near, but this is a very thick-looking book. It's a New York Times bestseller, and I, I get excited because I don't actually ever intend to read a book like this cover to cover. <laughs> okay. um, I, I collect some of these things to have as a resource so I can use as needed, and um, Ray Kurzweil is a big promoter of The Singularity. There is a lot of fascinating stuff with like this kind of cyborg stuff going on right now. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the Turing test and because let me see if I can find the part the the evolution of the Turing test itself is sort of based on Alan Turing. So Alan Turing is pretty famous for helping develop computation. Um, so let's see, where did I want to pick this up? Okay. It is important to note that although the existence of Turing's unsolvable problems is a mathematical certainty, the Church-Turing thesis is not a mathematical proposition at all. So this is kind of trying to just show this Turing application previously being described as sort of mathematical, this Church-Turing thesis, not math. Okay. Um, It is rather a conjecture that in various disguises is at the heart of some of our most profound debates in the philosophy of mind. The criticism of strong AI 
AI, based on the church Turing thesis, argues the following. Since there are clear limitations to the types of problems that a computer can solve, yet humans are capable of solving these problems, machines will never emulate the full range of human intelligence. This conclusion, however, is not warranted. Humans are no more capable of universally solving such, quote, unsolvable problems than machines are. We can make educated guesses to solutions in certain instances and can apply heuristic methods, and that's uh, in parentheses procedures that attempt to solve problems but that are not guaranteed to work, that succeed on occasion, but both these approaches are also algorithmically based processes, which means that machines are also capable of doing them. Indeed, machines can often search for solutions with far greater speed and thoroughness than humans can. And so that actually is a good way of setting up what becomes the test, because this movie starts off with an idea of what the test is, but by the end of the movie, you realize it's a different test. Sure. That is very interesting. Isn't it? It is. For, For those who are not as familiar with the singularity or the concept of it, Maybe you're familiar with Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. This is where you want to get the Frankenstein thing in. I'm just saying. I'm saying so because so AI is new to me. Yes. I am a person who is very recent to this whole discussion. I have heard you talk about it. I was appalled uh, somewhat to see a friend of mine recently post AI imagery, imagery, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even know was a, a thing. I knew it was a thing because you've mentioned that before and well and actually last night um in preparation for our conversation this weekend i tried to to look at some of these different ways of putting verbal prompts and then having images come out and i can't i can't figure out which what what's being used most prominently by some of the people that i'm becoming familiar with but the fact we have friends yeah that are starting to engage with this that's when you know it's sort of reached this level of sort of human zeitgeist on a more broad level it's not just the the smaller people that are hip and in the know about things. This is this is yeah. now in the zeitgeist. It was alarming. So back to Frankenstein. Yes. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting because in both this movie that we watched, Ex Machina and Frankenstein, the creator ends up being destroyed by his creation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of interesting. So why? I mean, obviously Frankenstein's different from Ex Machina because the machine the AI in Ex Machina is female mm-hmm. and Frankenstein is male and all of that. Until he got his bride of Frankenstein. Yes. The, right. the, first, the first Frankenstein. I only saw the first one. <laughs> monstrous, monstrous dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's incredibly fascinating when this 26 year old at the beginning of the film wins. And of course there's going to be spoilers right. as they we're talking, <laughs> uh, talking about this, but um, he is at his console in a company that is like a Facebook and it's interesting. They call it Blue Book. Blue Book mm-hmm. is the fictional name of the company. And so obviously it's it's based off of Facebook. Right. And the the Mark, <laughs> he's he's a total Mark. He thinks that he wins a prize to go and is meet. Is that his name? No, he's he's a Mark as in a target. Oh, oh, got it. Um, I can't remember Sorry, his name. It's um, fine. Doesn't matter. Caleb. Caleb. Yes, Caleb Smith. He's a he's a smart programmer. He's twenty six years old. He's single. He um. He's a nerd. He's a and nerd. He's isolated. Yep, absolutely. Kind of a. And all of, <laughs> all of those demographics actually end up playing a pretty important role because as he goes and takes this black helicopter out into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere and he goes um, and crosses a, a, a river, a little creek, and, and he 
enters this realm where it's not just this home where the Mark Zuckerberg guy with his beard is getting drunk and having sex with robots. Yeah. I know. Um, it's a laboratory where a guy with a beard based on Zuckerberg is getting drunk and having intercourse with cyborgs. And so what ends up developing, though, in the week that Caleb is supposed to spend, Caleb thinks he's testing the AI. He thinks that, like, as he's doing the session, so the movie right. break, is broken up into different sessions with Ava, A-V-A, right. um, and Ava then has interactions with Caleb. But there are breakdowns in what he thinks he's supposed to be doing. He finds out later something was up. Yeah, like that he's the one being tested in some ways. And, and that then is definitely the spoiler. I still think, yeah, I think extra spoiler on this one. I really do think even though Nathan is destroyed by his creation Nathan, ultimately. Nathan, the Mark Zuckerberg sort of stand in. I still think he got the last laugh. I think it was a sacrificial death. And I think he knew that he had to die in order to unleash well, when you, AI on the world. Exactly. When you hear when you hear this Zuckerberg, and it, honestly, it could be almost more of an Elon Musk stand in yeah. at this point. Um, or even Steve Jobs. Yeah, but you, Elon Musk is, yeah. Elon Musk is more carrying on the the rationale that that ai is inevitable so we have to basically be involved in it otherwise someone else is going to do it so because it's being framed as inevitable that is sort of the justification for having to be in this ai arms race um and so maybe there is this this wanting to eventually get this out because really he knows it's going to get out eventually he wants to have his ego stamped on the first viable sort of um cyborg entity that can that can beat the test and the test is can she escape she can and, quote she escape can she use and and this is where right. th what i that quote that i read from ray kurzal's book um what he finally what the what the corporate um or what the tech bro explains to caleb is that um this intelligence this artificial intelligence had to use every parts of right. influence in order to suck Caleb in, um, to make him a willing agent of her, this thing's escape. Yeah. And these, these two men, Caleb and the tech bro, both think they're pretty smart. Um, but the tech bro didn't, didn't seem to, um, fully, uh, he underestimated Caleb. So Caleb, um, was pretty bought into this, this scheme early on with the AI of wanting to bust her out maybe so they could be together and hang out, you know, be friends. Yeah. Totally platonic. But it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting because one of the ways in which this AI learned, do you remember that? Every single phone. Right. Every yes. That's what I was talking phone. about with Steve Jobs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the, it's almost like this amalgamation. Then this Nathan guy's an amalgamation of Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, right. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but every, every single phone, phone is is been turned on to, to basically yes. inform this AI to collect information mm -hmm. and even facial recognition because th they said they could detect any change of facial expression oh, yeah, in the a, human this, in the human consciousness. This AI knows when you're lying. Yeah, it's and, fascinating. And stuff. all of that stuff. But do you know what it reminds me of? What's that? Trafficking. How's that? Because what is the difference between Nathan creating this like robot person? In the creepy, like, 60-year-old dude posing as a young female trying to lure people. I mean, really, he knows, every, he sees you when he sleep, when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I'm serious. Like, 
How well, is that it, not the same? It's, it's, you know, not just trafficking. What I think of is the interdimensional entities that may be in existence when you leave your physical body in this thing called death and you are confronted with things you might think are your family. You know, maybe these things that know everything about you can perfectly replicate people in your life and can con you into coming back into oh, this sure. soul-sucking um, kind of prison planet that, that the earth might actually be. Yeah, it's messed up. And you know, like stepping back and looking at it holistically, the takeaway I have is this is pathetic. That's my takeaway from it. I know that there is probably this huge conspiracy for like robots to take over the world and all that. Fine. That's okay. But you know what? Ultimately, it's pathetic because it's a solitary freaking Zuckerberg like guy in an isolated retreat center trying to control the world getting drunk something. off vodka and yeah. doing, doing one of the more bizarre dances with his cyborg yeah. um love partner it's bizarre you know you you may you may um not be totally enthusiastic for the cyborg takeover but do you see how some of those robot dogs can dance i i have not seen that they they can really they're dancing you'll, really you'll well have now to show, you'll have to show me it's pretty exciting stuff well we're actually going to pause and i think we, okay. we will pick pick up the conversation yeah, to, to bring a conclusion okay um there are things afoot though we have we have uh, plans we there, do. there are plans that need to be made this is yes. this is a friday that we're recording this okay. and so we're actually not quite at the end of the week okay yeah that's true so there's a little bit more week there's left more, more to be had for sure we just wanted to get a nice jump on right. reviewing the week's events because there's just so much so we will pause we will be back thank you for listening this is the zoom cron week in review stay tuned and we are back for the final push. We're in the home stretch. Allie? All right. I'm glad that you made us listen to what we had just said. <laughs> it's been three hours, and so after three hours, it's easy to forget. And There's so a lot that happens. And even in the three hours since um, we were last speaking to our listening audience, uh, things have been happening. But we were talking about robot dogs and dancing. Yeah. Um, the Zuckerberg kind of stand-in or the amalgamation of all the tech bros. Steve Jobs. All those guys. All those dudes tech dudes. Um, and we wanted to finish off the conversation before moving on to the final topic, which is the real TIF, the tax increment financing ah. and things afoot. But Frankenstein was the correlation in your mind. One of them, right? When we were watching the movie. Yes. The monster. And so I wanted to go back to the book, The Singularity is Near by Ray Kurzweil. But if you had something you wanted to mention first before we go into this you can go into that and then i do have something to mention after that okay okay so as i jingle away these things oh, in do front you, of me unless you want me to to lead on that no 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 it, so I, I wasn't sure actually what else in this book i was going to find that was going to be appropriate for the monster frankenstein yeah. angle that um you were thinking of but just the monstrous actions of war right so sure. Um, bringing this new smart machinery into the war theater. Uh, good old Ray, good old Mr. Singularity, Ray Kurzweil. He's got some ideas about that. Have you ever heard about smart dust? Smart dust? Nano weapons, smart weapons, VR. Ah, yes. Well, under smart dust on page 334 of this wonderful book, book. Um, I'm going to try and articulate my words. Smart dust. DARPA is developing devices even tinier than birds and bumblebees called smart dust. Complex sensor systems not much bigger than a pinhead. Once fully developed, swarms of millions of these devices could be dropped into enemy territory to provide highly detailed surveillance and ultimately support offensive warfare missions. 
Doesn't that sound cool? I wouldn't say cool, but it sounds real. Want to find a key enemy? Need to locate hidden weapons? Massive numbers of essentially invisible spies could monitor every square inch of enemy territory, identify every person through thermal and electromagnetic imaging, eventually DNA tests and other means, and every weapon, and every weapon, and even carry out missions to destroy enemy targets. Cool. Um, this book came out a while ago, and so when you start looking at like nanotechnology, all this fun stuff that the technocratic world is wanting to offer us as you know, the benefits of technology, you have to wonder, are these people insane? And do we live in an insane world? Maybe. Under nanotechnology, it says, uh, nanotechnology is already being applied to a wide range of military functions. These include nanotech coatings or improved armor, laboratories on a, ch wait, laboratories on a chip for rapid chemical and biological agent detection and identification, nanoscale catalysts for decontaminating areas, maybe like in Ohio, huh? Um, smart materials that can restructure themselves for different situations. I sometimes try and restructure myself for different situations. Yeah. It doesn't always work out. Biocidal nanoparticles incorporated into uniforms to reduce infection from injuries. Yeah. Nanotubes. Is that anything like the tubes you're interested in? The Hyperloop tubes? Hey, Hyperloop, for those who don't know, is a high-speed transit entity with vacuum sealed pods that go at high high speeds are you punishing me for mentioning the hyperloop from new york to la in 45 mm. minutes well these little different tiny, types of tubes these nanotubes are self-healing materials that sounds pretty well, fun it, it does sound healing well see for example the university of illinois developed self-healing plastics that incorporate microspheres of liquid monomers and a catalyst into plastic into a plastic matrix when a crack appears the microspheres break automatically sealing the crack <laughs> I, i'm not even going to take a crack at that yeah no there's there lots was, of things that, like, that was a fraught statement so i could I'm tell there were things you were want you wanted to say in response kinda, to that, gonna let um, that let speaking that of crack there is a form of public money that has acted wait, as crack whoa, 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 cocaine. Whoa, 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 wait, before we get to that, can I have one more Frankenstein thing? You definitely can. I'm sorry. I don't okay. want to go away from one monster area before to you enter the next one? monster area. No, but I think it's impossible to talk about AI and Ex Machina specifically mm. without talking about misogyny. Because that <laughs> the entire thing yes. was about the subjugation of women. And yeah. unlike Frankenstein, the other Frankenstein which didn't have those themes, this one for sure did. And it kind of got annoying after a while. So the similarity with Battlestar Galactica using feminine wiles in the cyborg matrix to um, kind of seduce and entrap the male but, form of the, of okay, the human species. Time out, time out, time out. What? What? The freaking dudes created the freaking female robots. So I have a hard time, again, you you're, know, so you're blaming a fake woman, by the way. Once for... upon a time, <laughs> we were denied wombs to create within our bellies or within our torsos. And so we're just trying to overcompensate by creating a whole new type of thing no. that will eventually cause cataclysmic destruction and end our species as we know it. Is but you know what? Maybe, maybe you should have just... Let us become anything we want. You know what's without funny criticizing us. is that like it's like it is it's such a the creation itself came out of man. So and this is a theme within the movie because the question is 
is the is the cre- the man creator god or is there like a god creator and so like in, in my worldview god created humanity <laughs> and so it's not man-made and i do mean like gendered man-made well and so actually you, you bring up a really good point so the the tech bro when he does reference himself as god yeah that scene is really funny and interesting because caleb the programmer says something that is actually not what the the tech bro the sort of zuckerberg stand-in actually right. like the way he interprets what caleb says yeah it, it's a it's a really interesting um willful ignoring of what the reality of what Caleb said and Caleb had to try and correct him and say, that's not what I actually said, but you could tell like, you know, that, that other guy, the tech bro just kind of had gone with this idea that he was God in this, in this world he created, he was the God of his creation. And it's interesting because they traded what's real for what's fake. And at the end of the movie, they flipped what was fake into something became real. Like mm-hmm. Ava, which was fake or like a counterfeit kind of humanity, ends up being emancipated after taking out her creator and all this crap. Like, and she ends up being free. So it's kind of an interesting, like, we've exchanged truth for a lie and like real for what's fake. And that is sad. Yeah, and the male competition um, actually so believed the replica that the male mind created that 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 you had the tech bro talking to Caleb about the fact, well, you're the only other guy she's ever met. Isn't that weird? Because it's all like within the realm of their own imaginations, and they created this straw man or woman. Just it's it's creep creepy, and I, I yeah. It's it's creepy. Well, and it's something we might actually revisit, um, and because this this idea of technology of AI, um, obviously, it's something that you are just kind of getting familiar with, and yeah. and you know you, you you bristled a little bit when I said that your ignorance on this hey. subject was something that I thought was really intriguing, and you didn't want me to yeah, uh, don't don't call my ignorance intriguing. The term ignorance was the wrong word. It was the wrong word to use. Um, you are a potential stand-in for many people in our current culture oh, oh, becoming familiar I with feel... this with this new tool. <laughs> I... And and so like people can listen and also vicariously experience through your wonder. So you're, you're, you do realize like, that is the worst backhanded not shit. compliment ever. I don't realize that. Well, you clearly don't because you don't know how that <laughs> hears. Like, li- like you don't know I, how, how that sounds. How now you're I making me... You're making me sound ignorant because now I'm I'm misusing. How could I language. have said that better? <laughs> Not saying it at all. Like as as one thing. Mm, no, you you, you can say folks, that is that is some good advice. You know, one way you one way you can wisdom. one way you can fix it is by just shutting your mouth in the very beginning and just having it not come out your mouth. Fact. Yeah, I don't always go with that route. I tend to have it come out of my mouth and then listen to the feedback about why it's so wrong this this is generally um and this is a great segue into the next topic too like generally Mm -hmm. calling out ignorance in general um isn't a good lead if you're trying to capture people's yeah attention and keep them yeah opportunity to educate yeah (laughs) shut up oh my god 
So, um, moving on, because you did mention a segue, and that, to me, was a escape hatch out of the current problem that I am finding myself in. You're digging deeper. Yeah, and going to stop digging. We are looking at me eating words. So, I'm going to be eating my own words. Ah, uh, yes. So, I put words out there. Sometimes those words are frustrated words. They're like, what are you doing, state Montana Republicans, with tax increment financing at the state level? Words, those kind of words. Yeah. Sometimes I, I put words out there. My frustration can sometimes, um, because of my passion for tax increment financing, someone mm. that's made a documentary that invested time and resources into trying to educate, right? Um, because the public wasn't ignorant. They just, like, they lacked opportunity to know. Stop it. <laughs> they, I wanted to give opportunity of knowledge. I'll give you opportunity. So the, the tax increment financing topic is one I'm very passionate about since these urban renewal districts are not just engines of gentrification. They suck the general fund of resources and actually make the housing crisis that everyone in our elected positions of leadership that care, allegedly, you know, they say they want to fix that. But then they support all of these public money give outs, handouts, why giveaways. Are, why are you saying you are eating your words well because republicans are doing something well a wait allegedly but what about abracadabra you create what you speak so d are hmm. you eating your words or are you creating a reality helping form a reality that may not have existed without your words well no I, i'm 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 believing at this moment there is a consensus reality of a house bill i think it's five two three i think those are the numbers that unlock uh, restraint at a state level on the mechanism of out-of-control public spending. Why do you think that bill is necessary? Before getting mm. into the details of what that actually means, why do you think there is a, a bill that's necessitated to address yes. TIF? So um, at the state level, there are many criteria that can sort of be um, squished together to really look at almost any part of this town and, and look at it as blighted. So um, if you want to use public money, so the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, they operate the funds that are in the urban renewal districts. And those funds are, uh, they, they come from the incremental increase of tax value of all the properties within that district. And so instead of going to the general fund where public schools and police get to have the money, it goes to the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. And so knowing the mechanism and understanding that the general fund and then the need to raise property taxes when the need is always there because it's being starved in part um, by the MRA slush fund, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to, to know that you can use it for so many different things. So like, for example, in ZoomCron world, $300,000 that we talked about earlier in Missoula Redevelopment Agency funds is going to pay in a consultant. Um, they've used yes. public funds to develop a communication plan. Um, they've used public funds to study how to make trains quieter for the Rattlesnake neighborhood. They have used public funds to make the facades of buildings nicer and prettier. Um, there are so many things that, that MRA money has been used well. for. And blight is not really a part of the conversation anymore. So now wait a second, Travis. Hmm, what? 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 Blight is only one of a number of criteria. Or maybe blight's a state of mind. For okay. Tiff, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, if I'm the listening public, and I'm asking, well, why not use TIF for that? It's a public good. Public funds, public good. I want quiet trains. I don't want loud. So loud the part trains. of the justification. Um, back in the day in the 80s when the mall or not. Yeah, the mall. So when the mall was um, taking a lot of the Southgate economic 
activity away from downtown. There was, and, and downtown was suffering, some, you know, abandoned buildings. There was a lot of not activ- economic activity happening in downtown. There was this explanation for the use of TIF that seemed to make a lot more sense. Part of that was because you had to incentivize economic activity. When you are in a Zoom town, so Zoom town is a term that has been used in the last couple of years for remote communities like like us in a mountain town that people can all of a sudden live in. Wait, is that really a, a phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually truly to this moment didn't know that. Yeah. I may have been ignorant on that point, but oh, I really, I yes. truly, so what's the definition of a Zoom town? So when, when Zoom meetings became ubiquitous in our lives, right. re- the ability yeah. to work remotely gave people the choice to work in places that they might not actually have to go physically to an office. So w- places like Missoula can be thought of as a Zoom town because that term actually was developed for places like Missoula that became boom towns. No So way. instead of a boom town, it's a Zoom town. Are you kidding me? I'm glad I was able to explain that to you because now the listeners are also like, oh, wow. I actually truly didn't know that. So Zoom Cron is a development of Zoom Town. That makes so much more sense. So we are, we are, and, and that actually means for a tax increment financing incentive scheme, we're a boom town. People want to live in Missoula. Right. You don't need an incentive anymore, but um, it's just become an expected part of development. One, one of the things is funny if you try and, um, take heroin away from a junkie, they start experiencing, you know, symptoms of withdrawal. Um, now that the business community has gotten so used to like uh, utility lines, landscaping, all of these things they used to have to consider as part of the cost of development, they know they can just farm that out to MRA. Missoula Redevelopment Agency, if it's in an urban renewal district, will pay automatically for those kind of things. I think there's been situations where MRA literally sought out ways to pay, like, you know, offered to pay for things. And the developer was like, Oh really? I didn't know I could get this money. They're like, yeah, totally. They're like, take this first hit. And then the next, the next like project, you know, you got to sign on this. I don't know how it actually goes. Are you saying that there's addictive tendencies with TIFF? With their TIFF. My, um, Travis's impact fund, um, is a, is a addiction free fund. You can give me as much money as you want. And like, it's not habit forming from all of the initial studies I've done in okay. people giving money to me, which has been hey. not virtually zero, but there is the seed money. No, I'm, I'm, for this fund, for yes. other, oh, for the it. donation button at the about page at zoomcron.com, you can go there and pe- definitely people are giving me donations there. So tax increment financing is a way of siphoning money from the general fund. There is an attempt at the state level now that we suddenly hear not only is it happening, but it's happening fast. It's coming out as fast the way reality can. But it, it's raising some hackles at the county level. Okay. And it's, it's because the, the, <laughs> the great reduction of the ability to use tax increment financing and all of the ways this bill, from what I understand initially, all of the ways it just puts handcuffs on, in all the right places, um, it, it really has some people that are used to using this tool a little freaked out. Okay. Should we get to Ellen's email? I think so. Let's get into this email and we will just see, you know, if anything pops up that we want to discuss. And then this will be the conclusion of our week in review. Good morning, writes Ellen Buchanan. I'm contacting you about Montana State's bill, Senate Bill 523, which would severely limit the use of crack cocaine, of tax increment financing. 
A hearing on this bill is scheduled before the local government committee in room 405 for Monday, March 27th from 3 to 5 p.m. It is critical that legislators hear from our private sector. Um, I think that's junkies, the private sector, um, and nonprofit partners, enablers, um, about the impact of this bill. And that's when the adrenochrome gets out of your system and you want more baby blood. You got to find the supplier. Lord. Okay. Not it's not helpful, is it? Okay. A summary of the bill is attached and the full bill text can be found here. There's a link. This bill, similar to uh, SB 511, is likely being introduced in part as a package of proposed property tax reforms aimed at further restricting the growth of local governments and their ability to provide services like dealing crack cocaine to junkies. Okay, why we need your help in opposing this bill. And this is where they say all the things that actually is music to my ears and makes me want to <laughs> just jump in a car and drive to our capital in Helena. Why we need your help. <clears throat> this bill terminates urban renewal districts after 10 years unless bonds are issued. Yeah! In many districts in Missoula and around the state, it takes many years to realize the benefits of TIF. <laughs> Often, the growth in tax increment is not linear initially. It can take 10 years or more to have enough tax increment to incent large private investment. In URD2, it took nearly 20 years for annual tax increment revenue to reach $1 million, enough to make meaningful investments in public infrastructure that attract private investment for housing and job creation. Oh, here's some housing. They like to use that housing word just to, yeah. If the URD were forced to close in 2001, 10 years after creation, we would not likely have the Sawmill District where Cognizant's new tech hub is located. So what they're saying is if I can find a time machine and I can go back and make URD 2 into a 10-year thing, Cognizant won't even exist. Wait. Oh, if I had a is, time machine. Is that a thing? Is, is this bill somewhat of a time machine? How does this retroactively? Does well, this no, do this, so the, the, right now, um, what Ellen is explaining is that um, were it not for um, the long accrual period of time, yes. they wouldn't have been able to uh, enable the Weatherbees to gentrify the sawmill district. So, hmm. Okay. So where did I leave off? Uh, additionally, the city would not have the ability to implement numerous public improvements to the river, river banks, trails, parks, sidewalks, and water main extensions where which incentivize private investment for housing and job creation. So all that stuff we were talking about, that's CRD2, and that was, that was the lead argument from Ellen. The next bullet point, it prohibits the use of TIF to buy land. Uh-oh. Or maybe shitty-ass motels. I don't know. So this would prevent land banking strategies like, ha like have been used in Missoula to purchase land for permanently affordable and workforce housing as well as examples of TIF funding for land to build city facilities, right-of-way for street projects, public parking, and public parks. Time out. What do you say? Well, I'm curious. So why use TIF for those things? Why not use TIF for those things? It incentivizes private investment. More money. So you throw money, and then more money comes from using money. So just money, money, and then more money comes from money. It's like gremlins, okay? Take money, put water on it, and there's more of it. Wait, wait. You don't seem if convinced. You put, if you put water on gremlins, do they multiply? They do, yes. And this I'm is confused. where you show your lack of pop culture knowledge. What? Anyways, moving on. What, what pop culture reference is that? Bullet point three. Gremlins, the movie. 
I haven't seen it. Elimination of TIF may result in higher property taxes. Ooh. Why? Not lower property taxes. Well, she's going to explain it to you. Without TIF investment in public facilities, roads, bridges, parks, other infrastructure, this puts more pressure on local governments to find ways to pay for these services. Many of these facilities are needed in our communities to support Montana's growth and tourism, among other things. That doesn't explain why it would raise property taxes. Does, did that explain it? Was that an ex explanation? That's all, that's all it is. Hmm. Because tourism would, I, I can't, re I'm so, not okay. reading this. I'm going I'm to do this so. again, because if this is a claim they're making, so the elimination of TIF may result in higher property taxes, not lower property taxes. And then this is why. Without TIF investment in public facilities, roads, bridges, parks, and other infrastructure, this puts more pressure on local governments to find ways to pay for these services. And the only way to pay for it is by raising property taxes. Yeah. You have to think like that. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree that the only way to pay for that is that. But Moving on to the next one. Elimination. Um, oh, okay. There are few incentives in Montana to attract jobs in private investment. So I guess you don't have, this is the, we don't have that many tools in our toolbox. Right? They want I'm more tools. I'm picturing the hammer. I know. And everything's a nail. So on this one, businesses have a choice about whether to invest and where to invest. TIF is one of Montana's, Montana's only economic development incentives that can be used to attract new businesses to our communities and help existing ones grow. Examples include investments in the Sawmill District that led to Cognizance Move expansion, um, on X Maps, two facilities in Midtown, Stockman Bank's new facilities in downtown and Midtown. I love when we help out banks. That's great. First Interstate Bank and more banks. In Missoula's downtown since 2007, when the Front Street URD was created, only one private development was constructed outside of the URD boundaries. In comparison, if the URD, in the URD, TIF has leveraged nearly $100 million in private investment in three new hotels, a $38 million, 38 million public library. That was because of a bond, you... Uh, one of Missoula's largest office buildings and bank headquarters, a new parking garage and student housing development, among others. I'm feeling a little triggered, but we're going to move on. Why are you feeling triggered? Uh, uh, just a lot of hotels, the housing, the, the that house, student housing. There's a lot of stuff that I'm... But we're going to move on. Uh, this seems like it's another repeat. It says, there are few tools in Montana to incentivize attainable and workforce housing. <laughs> Wait, so there, this is the only method then they're, they're saying is that it's the primary method to obtain workforce all, housing? All of those things, yeah. Well, but why? I well, mean, because I really since 1978, TIF investments in Missoula and public infrastructure, property acquisition, and publicly owned housing have supported creation of 2,414 new for sale and for rent housing units that are completed or planned. The TIF commitment in these projects totals $16.7 million. An estimated 646 new housing units, which are planned or underway, will likely be in jeopardy if the use of TIF in Montana is further restricted. Ooh, they are using future projects. That's, that's fun. That's good strategy there, guys. Um, this includes projects that the MRA has not yet entered into development agreement on and plan projects Wait. that, due to construction and financing costs, need additional subsidy and will not get built. <clears throat> I'm I'm super triggered now. Like this this feels like it harkens back to a conversation about parks and signage mm. and forecasting the future. Mm. Right? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, there's even sub bullets on this last one, which I don't know if we want to get into the sub bullet points, but it's more probably stuff about workforce housing. Anyways, um, this is how you can help. Okay, do you, oh oh yeah, that's right. I forgot this last one. This is this one I heard about, and I'm excited. This it eliminates use of school levies in the TIF calculation. This severely limits TIF revenue and does not guarantee that schools will receive more revenue. So they want to take schools out of being impacted from the general fund getting vacuum sucked from the, from the TIF. Explain the that to me a bit more. Um, so as TIF is being calculated, so as as the amount in a U, in a urban renewal district is being calculated, so that increment that's going to the URD, that calculation is going to change because however amount the school board money could be impacted, that school board in money will be protected. So the, the schools can't be um, negatively harmed from my reading of this. Okay. I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's true. So how can you help? Do you want to know how to help to stop this, this terrible, terrible thing happening in Helena possibly if, if sure. those awful people get I'm their way? I'm still confused why TIF is the only tool. You know, I don't know why they haven't found more tools in all of their many, many years searching. But if you want to help stop this 523, which sounds like good to me, <clears throat> if you are a member of a statewide or regional trade association, industry group, or business group, please contact these groups to let them know that you oppose this bill and why. Ask them if they're willing to speak in opposition. Write a letter to or call Senator Hertz and or members of the local government committee outlining why you oppose this bill. Attend the hearing on this bill virtually or in person. If providing virtual testimony, you must sign up to testify before 5 p.m. <clears throat> the night before. For a Monday hearing, you must sign up by 5 p.m. the Friday before. Wait a minute. So by the time anyone hears this, it will be too late to sign up. Yeah, we only actually have 90 minutes left ourselves if we want to testify. Ah. I'm going to be testifying. And so I'm going to have to get off this here recording of a podcast episode to make sure that I'm doing my civic duty. Okay. So do we have anything more to, to say about all of these many reasons why not to support House Bill 523? So in a synopsis, what would be your top reasons to support Bill 523, if you are testifying in so, support of it, I want to hear why. Um, what I would say in my mind that I wouldn't actually say in person, so this would be like the, you know, what if I could kind of thing. I'd, I'd go up and I'd be like, listen, guys, um, really, like TIFF as a tool just needs to be put on the altar and, and just killed. And like... Um, it's body parts taken to the different corners of the globe like and then buried it? and then, and then salting the ground so that, it that never, so that it never comes really... back again. But because total abolition of TIFF as a tool, isn't something that seems to be widely supported, right. any restraint on this out of control mechanism that literally pays TC glass for their ugly ass facade because of a facade improvement program, El Cazador is getting $50,000 for windows. Windows are expensive. <clears throat> yes, windows are expensive. Many people in their lives don't just get subsidies to do things. For example, independent journalists. You know, independent journalists. What if you were included? What if somebody considered, like, ZoomCon blighted and wanted to fund that? Can, can like... 
can intellectual property be blighted or does it have to be a physical structure? So as we, as, honestly, we aim, as we aim towards wrapping up this this week in review. It's a real question. I will point listeners to the previous week in review in which I was hanging out with Ellen Buchanan. We're, we're sitting there at a table. Okay, City Club is going. I see the Missoulian guy, Rob Chaney. He's an editor. He's up there after kind of glaring at me. And then Ellen's just like, Hey guys, hey WGM people that want to continue developing everything in Missoula's Valley, how can we better communicate? And as she was putting out that problem that she seems to have over and over again, my offer, give money to me. No one took me up on that though. Was no. a, was was one of the problems. Well, you may not qualify for the current TIF definitions. So I'm also considering a new plan too, and this one is just now popping into my head. I'm going to call myself a bank. No. And I'm going to see if I can, um, uh, there's some really nice bushes that I've been thinking of for the studio. And because, because, um, they're going to be paying for trees for the first security bank or interstate bank or whatever bank is getting money for trees. That's one of the for things. Security. Is it first security? Yes. Okay. Part of that $700,000 that we were talking about that that bank is receiving is going to go for landscaping improvements. So now I'm a bank. I, I identify as a bank. I've got some landscaping needs. Um, maybe even have some utility lines that need to get buried. I don't know. And so I'm going to go maybe in person to the next board meeting and say, Hey guys, I've, I'm totally blighted. Uh, I'm sure you will. I really need just a little bit of, uh, of that really good stuff that I hear you guys got. I'm like, do you guys got that good stuff? And they're going to be like, what are you talking about, Travis? I'm like, come on, you know, then I'm going to wink and nod and, and try and figure out which code word to use in order to get my supply. Stop using drug references to describe TIFF. Well, I, I know I need to because my or, tiff or is. Or maybe you should just call law enforcement. Oh yeah, I should report a crime. What? Think... What? And what's the crime? Theft. I don't know. Trafficking. <laughs> I think I think it's theft. I think we are okay. being stolen from. But in all seriousness, we will go to Helena, even if it is some kind of um, weird fourth like dimensional chess moves um, that we're tracking on multiple layers. So even, even if that's like, like what's going on, you know, we're going to have a fun time because I, I know some peeps that might be interested. Uh, we got to do some registering now though. Um, so we got to, we got to get off now th these microphones, but, um, I do greatly appreciate you once again, Ali joining the conversation. Thank you. Reviewing the headlines. My pleasure. Driving to mineral County, risking your life, questioning your sanity. Um, but continuing to be at the right place at the right time. Even if people might be getting tired of seeing you hey. at the right place at the right time, all the right people are wondering what in the heck is going on with these people. Not folks. We're not folks here. No, not here. I don't see any folks here. All I see is some citizens uh, doing what they can to follow a calling, to bring you the listeners some truth. And I thank you for the support. You've been listening to Zoomcron Week in Review. There's a, a song that will be finishing us out. You kind of walked into it. I did. Yeah. It's I was very like, entertaining. I was like, hush, yeah. I'm working on a tune. And it started off with the, with the lyrics that I wrote, and then it went into the lyrics that just kind of came to me. Not all of them are smart when you're not wanting to take on multiple families in a county run by those families. But you know what? I don't live in that county. I just sometimes drive through. If you're driving through, listeners, potential tourists here in Zoomtown or wanting to visit Zoomtown, 75 miles per hour is a safe speed limit if you're going from Idaho over Lookout Pass East. West. 
No, if you're driving east from Idaho and you're oh, going through east, Mineral County. Uh, oh, I, th- I was if, thinking west. If we're trying right. to escape Montana wow. and if we're trying to flee, then we would be going west. And then we would have to be worried about going 74. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week because um, yeah. it wasn't the last weekend. It wasn't. We survived. You're right. Yeah. And Donald Trump was not arrested. He was not. I called that. 100%. The, the economy didn't totally collapse. We're still here. It's still snowing. <laughs> it, is still, it is still snowing. That <laughs> so, isn't cool. Um, but we're hoping for some seasonal it's spring, change. spring, but it is snowing. Officially, but in Montana, you just never know. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Until then. Adios. So much excitement has been happening in Mineral County and beyond that a song might not be enough to encompass all of the excitement, but I'm going to do my best to try since that's how I like to end weeks in review. Is it mineral or plant-based? Flesh and blood giving chase, chasing bad guys to state lines. They hand it off to the scapegoat guys, but their badges still have that gleam. Seen in puddles like an upside down dream. Oh, but the shootout went pretty good in Jasper's Travel Center neighborhood. Is it time that we debrief? Cry and cheer for the town's big chief. Shaking his neck like Iron Mike. Looking for ears to take a bite. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got thus far. I'm the poet they got to take account for As I drive 75 through the county Cause I want to stay alive And the sheriff guy can go 90 or 95 If he wants, that's his deal But the community not 100% in the fields that they want the sheriff do to be the supreme leader of all that you see when you drive west of Missoula where we got our own sheriff issues you know is it mineral or plant-based or is it flesh and blood giving chase Chasing bad guys to state lines They hand it off to the scapegoat guys But the badges still have that gleam Seen in puddles like an upside down dream And if you know what I'm meaning It's called a nightmare Like what the kids are having Oh, but the shootout went pretty good, didn't it? Went pretty good, didn't it? In Jasper's Travel Center neighborhood. We don't want to leave out the Lincoln family now, do we? It's an embarrassment for the people that don't want to die under constitutional sheriffs. And here's the irony. The Constitution in this place is fucking dying. Go to Sanders County. Drive on the highway, but don't have a light out or any other reason where they could say you had it coming. We pulled you over, you acted nervous, the bloodshot eyes, 
Well, I'm seeing past your badge, badge disguise. Lots of LARPing happening in the Mineral County, where the cat meow and protection of the sheriff goes, yeah, 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 meow, 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 on social media, right? Meow, 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 Constitution good? Meow, 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 meow. Our brains might have some fluoride or other things in it. There was a chlorine train wreck years ago. Did they ever clean that stuff up? Drink deeply, y'all, until we figure out who to bring in to clean it up. And we're going to end there. Tune in next week. Zoomcron Week in Review. Thank you for supporting independent journalism.